Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Firefighter Kingdom. We're on podcast episode number three. My name is Vince Trujillo. I'm the co-host along with a professional firefighter and president of the New Mexico Professional Firefighters Association, Mr. Robert Sanchez. Robert, how are you doing today? Welcome all the the audience on there from Firefighter Kingdom. We're happy to have everybody here again, once again, trying to, you know, educate the firefighters out there, you know, um, give them some new information. Yeah, and we have some really good information coming up today today regarding mental health and firefighters. But uh, quickly, before we go ahead and introduce our guest for today's topic, just a little bit more about Robert for those of you in the firefighter kingdom. Robert has been a proud member of the IAFF for over 19 years and was the longest serving executive officer at the current Albuquerque Area Firefighters Local 244 Executive Board for the last 16 years. Robert has concurrently served as the president of New Mexico Professional Firefighters since 2019. Roberto, you've been with the organization for a long time and have done lots of things, man. Thank you so much for all you do. It's my honor and privilege, actually, to be out there just just helping firefighters. I mean, you know, to be quite honest, uh, firefighters, you know, in the, in the state of New Mexico, the men and women who are, are paramedic firefighters, they, they're the ones that, that make everything happen, and we're just happy to be a tool uh, for their resources and their success for sure. Well, as a member of the public, I'm always thankful for everything the firefighters and our first responders do. So let's get on with the podcast for today. We are really honored and privileged to welcome our mental health professional, Dr. Troy Rogers. A little bit about Dr. Rogers. Dr. Rogers is a police and criminal psychologist based in New Mexico. He has a master's degree and a doctorate in clinical forensic psychology from the University of Denver. Dr. Rogers has been uh, has been the agency director for Public Safety Psychology Group, LLC, PSPG, since 20, 2004. And at the present time, he works as a consultant psychologist for over 130 local, state, and federal law enforcement, fire, and correction agencies. Wow, I think I got it all out, doctor. Thank you so much for coming in. Now, that's a whole other podcast, I think. Just <laughs> the introduction well, I for the doctor. <laughs> Great. No, I appreciate the time you took and, and getting the opportunity to talk about uh, the brave folks who are serving New Mexico. Thank you both. Dr. Rogers, a couple of things just for personally from my side of things. I was having a conversation with Robert a couple of weeks ago in regards to some of the trauma and stressful situations that our firefighters run into. And as we know from military service and trauma exposures that these things can build up over time and can really affect our first responders and firefighters. And it's something that we in the public we just don't think about as much, especially when it comes to like our, our firefighters, some of our healthcare professionals, policemen, but the first people responding to a car accident or at home accidents, someone having an acute health crisis, like a heart attack stroke, or even things like, I was surprised to learn like responding to abuse calls, neglect, or any number of different types of high intensity calls that may get they may get on a consistent basis and have to deal with emotionally and mentally. And that's why there are great people like Dr. Rogers who help them manage this. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit more about today. Talk about PTSD a little bit, and then also talk about some of what you have to offer, some recommendations to our firefighters out there. Robert? So great. So, I mean, doctor, it's, it's been an honor uh, working with you for the several years that you've been assisting firefighters. I mean, I, you know, Obviously, you do a great job. We can sit on a consistent basis. We use you, and we see a lot of successful results in our firefighters, and, and, and I want to thank you for that, and I appreciate that. I mean, there's times where, you know, I've called you, you know, at, you know, midnight or 1 in the morning and asked you to, to assist us. And, you know, firefighters are, are um, you know, seeing the public at their worst, and um, you come and assist and, and, and benefit our members uh, uh, tremendously. 
you know, first thing I want to talk about is what's you, you hear about the exposures. You have the one incident exposure and then you have the chronic exposure. Can you tell me what the difference to that is? And, you know, one of the things that most folks don't realize about uh, public safety careers is that on a daily basis, um, folks are exposed to, you know, both ends of the kind of spectrum when it comes to events. You'll sit around, be bored for two, three, four hours, and then all of a sudden you're dealing with a life and death situation or you're seeing something that the general public is not exposed to or they're not um, aware of or they, you know, they see it on TV, but they can turn the TV off. Um, public safety professionals aren't allowed to do that. And so, I mean, I, I often use the example that, you know, when you go through the uh, fire academy, you're given a backpack and that backpack you're going to carry with you um, throughout your entire career. Um, every time you take one of those calls, one of those calls that's difficult, that involves a child, that's a death, that's something along those lines, you throw a little rock in that backpack. Um, first three, four hundred rocks don't weigh a whole lot. But when you get to three, four thousand rocks, that backpack weighs a ton. It has kind of this cumulative effect. And that's the buildup we talk about. Um, a lot of folks can kind of understand that one traumatic call, but they don't recognize that in addition to that one call, you're carrying that backpack every day with that exposure that just continues and, and is almost routine, you know, after four or five, six years of doing this. Right. So, I mean, it, there's one uh, specific exposure that could, you know, um, uh, cause a, cause you to have PTSD, correct? And be, um, uh, have, uh, I don't know. So, you know, when you guys recommend someone that have PTSD, they're diagnosed rather is a good word. Um, and then there's that one incident that could happen, right? Is there several exposure incidents that you might not know what's affecting you? And then it is. Uh, so. A lot of times folks will go through events and they've learned how to compartmentalize or to kind of box it off, put it away, um, and do their job. You know, I mean, folks are trained in the moment. I've got to get things done. I've got to save people. I've got to help people. So they may experience something and not even realize that that experience um, was traumatic or potentially traumatic or contributed to potentially creating PTSD. And so they'll go through two, three weeks, four weeks, and not realize that they haven't been sleeping well. They haven't been interacting well. They're more irritable with family. Um, so that event may have set the stage for another event to come, which compounds that, makes it worse. So the more rocks in the backpack. More rocks in the backpack. And the more of those backpacks, or uh, more of those rocks that um, trigger that person. I always tell folks that, you know, stress is something that we all experience, um, but it becomes traumatic if it's too personal, if it, it's sure. too similar to our own life, if it's too um, overwhelming and we can't process it. So the more of those rocks you throw in, and the more of the big rocks that come in, the more likely folks are to get PTSD. Doctor, just to interject real quick here, as far as the detecting is concerned, how do you detect it? And, or how does the firefighter detect it? And what is the process, process after that? And how does it come around? A uh, couple of things. One of the things I, I, I really emphasize when we uh, talk with firefighters and first responders of any kind is that changes in behavior um, are a great indicator um, if somebody was a very social person and all of a sudden they're isolating, they're not talking with friends. If somebody was a happy person and all of a sudden they're irritable and angry. Um, if somebody was slightly cynical, but now they, they hate everybody. 
and they're mm-hmm. cynical in all their interactions. Those are all warning signs. Um, mm-hmm. And, and we, we encourage folks to talk with significant others, family, friends, spouse, so that they can give them that kind of feedback. Um, number one reason. Okay, I guess I w- it would be that, uh, that maybe it's the people closest, like fa- family and friends that notice it more. So they are the ones that sometimes raise concerns first. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Saying that, you know, the number one reason why we get first responders calling us um, for some sort of, you know, intervention or some sort of counseling is because a family member has usually said, I'm concerned about you. You know, I always tell a story. I um, Years back, had an uh, individual I worked with and first phone call I ever got was him was a voicemail and he left a voicemail saying, Hey doc, my wife says I'm an asshole. I need to come see you. And that's all he said. <laughs> and when we actually started talking about it. We realized that it was stress, trauma, depression coming in that was leading to irritability at home. And then once detected and someone has raised their hand and said, there is an issue I need help or their family members have done that. What are the next steps? Um, there are a lot of different treatments. Um, there are different ways to address it. But one of the first things is actually coming into the office, sitting down with either myself or another clinician who's familiar with the culture, the background, um, and, and getting a feel for, you know, what is the source of the problem? How severe is it? Um, how many, you know, rocks are in that backpack per se? Mm-hmm. Um, so we can kind of quantify it. Um, and then there are a lot of different approaches. One could be just talk therapy, coming in once a week, for the next six weeks. Um, there's other trauma treatments called EMDR, um, which is a specific protocol which addresses trauma and reprogramming kind of the way the memory sees that trauma. Um, we do other things like, uh, you know, um, activity-based work. You know, one of the first things I, I assign to most of my clients is you got to start doing sports or running mm-hmm. or CrossFit or those sort of things because mm-hmm. that physiologically will help the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things we start looking at is what are the habits, you know, has the person who's experiencing, you know, some of this trauma develop bad coping habits like drinking alcohol, mm-hmm. um, you know, and alcohol in and of itself is not a problem. Right. Um, but when you're drinking a fifth of vodka and a six pack of beer to go to sleep at night, mm-hmm. we got to talk about that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'll get firefighters to say, so is a half a fifth of vodka. Okay. <laughs> you know, we can't right. by that, but we got to have that discussion. Right. So that's how firefighters are. They want to know an exact amount so they can measure it out. Right. Be precise. (laughs) Now, how how do you see the treatments and and going through the process helping? I mean, in terms of curate, it's a tough way to answer that or to kind of respond to that question. But let me, let me give you a little bit of a, an answer that um, will help relate to your folks is I always tell folks everything that they're going to experience, those sort of things we can manage, we can deal with, coming in that first step, we just learn how to cope with it better, how to work through it, how to manage the symptoms. Now, is it going to go away 100%? Probably not. Some of the hypervigilance that folks experience, which is that kind of being hyper aware, Mm -hmm. um, loud noises triggering them, those sort of things. I mean, we can't unlearn some of that, but we learn to manage it. We learn to have outlets that deal with it. We learn to process it. um, And in you know, going back to our backpack analogy, we learn to empty the backpack so that it's not so heavy. It doesn't have that burden. Um, I mean, I had a, uh, I had a, a first responder call me, you know, about a month ago and, and kind of thank me um, because he had done some work with one of my staff. Um, and, and during our conversation, you know, he said he had one regret. And I said, what was that regret? And he said, I regret I didn't call you guys three years earlier. 
because I wasted the last three years being miserable when I didn't have to be, you know? So a lot of it's just learning to get through it and manage it so you can get to a better place. And in leading into that, doctor, I want to talk about, um, you know, so, you know, I hate to say it and just being a firefighter myself and knowing several men and women in the fire service that we deal with on a daily basis. I mean, sometimes we all have that macho attitude, you know, like it's going to happen to me or I'm not going to show my weakness or I'm not going to be that, you know, so-called person that has the the problem, you know, so we have that stigma in the fire service and um, what, uh, what, what do you, what can you talk about, about overcoming the stigma and and having a stigma in the fire service? I mean, today's day and age seems like it, it, it eases up a little bit on it, but there's still that stigma and you know, how, how do we get over that? You know, one, one of the hard parts with mental health related issues is that we can't see them. And because we can't see it, it's not like a broken leg or a broken, you know, arm or something where we can say, oh, that's a problem. So a lot of times we like to dismiss it. Um, we like to move beyond it. You know, folks are trained in their academies, push through this, get it stronger, those sort of things. So one of the first kind of ways to get beyond that is to teach folks the difference between something hurting and something being injured. Um, I've been a coach for 20 years. And one of the first things I teach kids is, you know, is that something that hurts that we're going to work through? Or is that something that's injured that we need to fix? Um, And if we look at mental health the same way, um, it becomes less stigmatizing. Um, This is something we can address, we can deal with, we can get through and get you to a better place. You know, because one of the things that public safety folks do a lot of times is they, they, they have the rule of three is what I always describe it. I've got to have three ailments before I'll go to the doctor. I can't just have a broken leg and a cold. I have to have a broken leg, a cold, and, you know, I've got an arrow in my forehead. Now (laughs) it'll justify me paying the 20 bucks to go for the copay, right? right? Right. We got to get to where folks are dealing with it proactively ahead of time and not seeing it as weakness. Now, why is it that some firefighters may see some real issues more quickly than others? I'm assuming that is normal and therefore something that shouldn't be compared from one person to the next necessarily to say, oh, well, I, I had something and you didn't or this affected me differently. Uh, everyone responds to things differently, right? You know, there are a lot of factors that contribute. Um, mm-hmm. People respond differently to different stimulus um, based upon their life experience, mm-hmm. how they grew up. Um, what kind of skills they were trained as kids, how much resiliency they've kind of developed, um, their personality style. You'll, you'll meet some folks that are real happy-go-lucky. Nothing tends to bother them. Um, some things kind of just roll off their shoulders, whereas some folks kind of worry a lot. They were raised in a household where mom was always worried. They were always kind of hyper-aware of things, and they take on that characteristics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot of what we see in terms of how the job affects people is their life experience will guide how they deal with things. They, they may view them differently. Um, it may change their perceptions. You know, I, I, I make a joke cause I've got a 16 year old son at home. Um, and he learned very early in his life that very few things in life are crises. Um, yeah. You're not potentially going to die as a result. You know, and so, you know, he, he, he's become in a little bit of a way kind of cynical in his perception and those sort of things, but he'll come home and he'll say, Hey dad, you know, people at school, were all worried about this crap. Nobody's going to die. It's not that big of a deal. So his resilience based on what we've taught him is going to help him in the future. So a lot of it comes back to, 
you know, what people were trained, what skills they have from when they were growing up. Mm-hmm. And, and most, most firefighters, you know, as you know, doctor, uh, retire, they retire early. Um, and uh, I mean, so what I've seen it, you know, happen quite a few times. They can go, you know, 19 or 20 years and not have an incident until on their 21st year, right? Or there could be firefighters their first year they're having an incident or six months in. You know, so that's, uh, you know, I guess that's beyond me. That's up for the doctors and <laughs> why that. Well, well, a lot of that is yeah, it's a lot of it's luck or bad luck. However you want to put it, sure. you know, I'll deal with folks that within that first year, um, they've got a major traumatic incident and then another one, two years later, and then another one, three years later. So some of it is just kind of the, the cards you're dealt and, and how that affects you. Um, some of it is, you know, your ability to then, manage those cards. You know, one of the things that we actually see a lot of is folks do a really good job for those 20 years managing all those rocks. And then when they retire and they've got time to think and time to, you know, basically relive everything they went to, that's when it actually hits them. We'll see that right after retirement a whole lot. So it it could possibly trigger um, uh, even after you retired then. Right. We actually see that's pretty good you know, amount of folks that do great their whole career, no major mental health stuff. And then, you know, three weeks after they retire, they're in a pretty bad place because now they've got time. Now they're bored. Now they've lost their identity in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, and, uh, you know, we we're fortunate enough, uh, doctor, as you know, I think uh, a couple of years ago, you helped uh, testify committees on, on our PTSD bill. Right. Um, so, you know, we're lucky, uh, just not this session, but the one before, we were lucky to pass uh, House Bill 324, which it's now an act. And um, we're fortunate to do that. Can you explain, I mean, knowing about that bill, I mean, again, we talked about the chronic exposure and the one incident exposure. Because I know, I know that, you know, before this bill took place in workman's comp issues, if you had a, an exposure that you identified um, and you reported it through, you know, the chain of command up to the workman's comp level, you know, there you could there's treatment for and they'll possibly pay for, you know, what they needed to pay for. Um, you know, kind of like similar like breaking your ankle. So that was a one time exposure and it's no different than a brain injury or, you know, PTSD. But now we have the chronic exposure. Have you had um any um runnings with the, with this bill and how we can change in the next legislature? Because I know there might be some issues. Well, you know, the the big issue that we're kind of running into with this particular bill right now. Um, is this this idea of okay now we're we're equating PTSD with a lot of these medical issues, which right. is great. That's movement in the right direction. Um, we're destigmatizing it. We're understanding it. We're seeing it's real. Um, one of the problems that we're running into though is we don't really have a comparison early on in the process to say okay did the job contribute to this or not. So we're getting a lot of folks who are saying okay did you have this when you came in or did this develop over time. So that's kind of one of these kinks we've been trying to work at. Okay, do we start looking at it at higher so that we have a measure to compare 15 years from now and say this person has changed based upon that cumulative kind of exposure? So that's one of the first issues we're going to have to wrinkle out at some point. Um, and then I think we're also going to have to look at not just PTSD. What other things eventually are we going to equate with that, like depression? that comes from this or sure. other types of anxiety. So I think this is the starting kind of point for a lot of this. Well, I mean, and I'm glad you, you brought that up about, I guess, um, kind of like a starting point to 
kind of like a starting point to, um, uh, I guess when, when firefighters or first responders are actually apply for the job, they get hired, you know, they take these psych examinations. I mean, is there going to have to be some type of an examination for PTSD? So it would help, uh, you know, in the workman's comp issue of them proving to say that they didn't have it before they got hired. I mean, would you even recommend that? Or do you think the bill should be, we should change the legislature? You know, I, I've had a number of kind of chiefs um, come to me and say, what do we do with this and how do we do it? And I said, you know, I, I've been fairly straightforward um, at this point. And I said, if the bill stays the way it stays, then we're going to have to go to this approach where we're doing a kind of pre-hire testing. So you've got a right. baseline. Um, so if the bill stays that way, then we're going to, that's going to be my recommendation. Right. If we adjust it, to look at things differently, then maybe we don't require that. Right. Um, but at this point, that's going to be a tough one because, you know, where, where workman's comp's going to come in is they're going to say, how do you determine that the job is what contributed to this? Absolutely. You know, and, and again, you know, for, being fortunate enough to represent the New Mexico professional firefighters and our advocacy in the legislature, um, I look forward to working with you in the, in the next uh, coming sessions to see if we can change it where it actually benefits firefighters and, mm -hmm. you know, but not only does it benefit their firefighters, it benefits their families. Right. Um, so, um, but yeah, so thank you again um, for anything. Is there anything that you'd like to add? And uh, again, it's an honor. It's an honor with me working with you um, in uh, the past years. And thank you for your considerate, I mean, your constant, uh, giving back to firefighters, you know, and it's always a pleasure. Yeah. Well, we have a few minutes left. Uh, what would you like to leave the firefighters and, and uh, listeners with who are watching this right now? A couple simple things. Just one, thank you for what you do. Um, and what you do helps everybody um, because of the availability, that resource, that kind of safety net for society. So that's first thing. Second thing that I kind of want to leave with is just a reminder um, to the firefighters out there to take care of themselves. Um, it, it's very difficult to take other, care of other people um, when you're not taking care of yourself. And so everything else will be compromised. Watch for those warning signs. Um, preemptively come in. You know, I, I had a, a, a gentleman I worked with years back that used to call his sessions with me uh, check-ins. He would call them uh, basically um, he was maintaining his um, preventive maintenance. preventative maintenance. Like an you know, he he actually <laughs> equated it to a car. Uh, yeah. One time he had uh, he had come in about three or four times, and he'd come in about every five or six months. Um, and after the third one, I asked him. I said, "Hey, why are we meeting every five or six months?" And he looked at me and he goes, "You see my truck outside your window?" And I said, "Yeah, I see your truck." And he goes, uh, "That truck is 25 years old and it runs like the day I bought it." Right. And I said, okay, I'm not quite getting what you're saying to me here. And he goes, well, you know why it runs like that? And I said, why? And he goes, because every six months I take it in. I get oh. the tires rotated. I get it checked. I get all this stuff. He goes, so doc, I kind of see you as my maintenance. And I said, well, as long as you don't tell anybody I'm changing your oil, we're good. Right. <laughs> and I said, Absolutely. we'll keep doing it every six months. Hmm. He did that for the rest of his career. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, that's good to know. So, I mean, is uh, you know, I, I guess one thing I want to leave here is, you know, uh, firefighters are there, you know, we're human too, you know, sometimes we don't think we are. And I know sometimes the public don't think we are, but you know, we, we have to deal with life issues just like everybody else. And that includes, you know, PTSD or, you know, uh, depression or whatever the case that the job might bring with it. Right. Yeah. It certainly does bring 
things down to reality, especially for, you know, laymen like me in regards to my public perspective is concerned. We don't realize, quite frankly, that we expect our firefighters and our first responders to be superheroes, which in my head, you know, and, and a lot of people, they are. But we forget about the human element. So th- so thank you for, as far as I'm concerned, for what you do for our firefighters. We couldn't exist without them, especially during these crazy times right now. So I want to thank you, Dr. Troy Rogers, for participating today. Thank you for volunteering to come on do this podcast with our firefighters out there. Please keep up your good work and you stay healthy, too. Healthy we'll and safe as well. Thank you so much. So on behalf of the Firefighter Kingdom and our outstanding host, Mr. Robert Sanchez, we're going to be signing off now. Thanks so much for listening and hope everyone got some great information on PTSD and how it affects our firefighters. If you're listening and enjoyed this, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, look it up on the Google search if you don't have an Apple device and give us a review there. It really helps get the message out more and raise the visibility of the show. And share it with someone you know who could use the help of this episode. There's a lot of good information in here. And firefighters, thank you much so much for everything you do. Robert? Again, you know, thank you. It's always an honor to do what we can to assist firefighters. And, uh, you know, we looking forward to these podcasts. I think they're more information, uh, more informational um, to the firefighters. And, you know, don't forget to, you know, uh, give feedback on what else you would like us to have on here and to benefit firefighters. And again, peace out, Firefighter Kingdom. Until next time, we'll see you.